This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to the show. Later on, we'll be chatting with Peace Gallery North curator Jacqueline Benedetto all about the comings and goings at the gallery, including the Christmas market, which is on right now. But first, Constable Chad Newstetter has a unique role at the Fort St. John RCMP detachment. He works in Indigenous Policing Services. We're going to talk a bit about and find out more exactly about that role right now with Constable Newstetter, who joins us here on Moose Talks once again. Uh, welcome back to Moose Talks. Thanks for being here today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So tell us a bit about this gig you've got in Indigenous Police uh, Services. What, what does that generally mean you do and spend your time on uh, when you're at work? Sure. For the most part, um, our unit is more of a liaison unit mm-hmm. rather than an enforcement unit. Um, but we still do enforcement as well in the police role that we do have. Uh, basically, each week we attend one of our three indigenous communities. We go up to Halfway River, Blueberry River, or Doig River First Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend time in community each day. Uh, we talk with individuals that we see. We do a lot of liaising with chiefs and councils. Um, sometimes we'll, we'll ask advice or we'll talk with them if they have questions, trying to do as much as we can to build relationships, mm-hmm. um, between RCMP and our f- local first nations communities. And so it's actually a very rewarding job. I enjoy it a lot. Um, each, each time we go up there, we've got, uh, what we call, um, letter of expectation, um, things that we work at for each of our communities. Mm-hmm. And uh, so oftentimes it'll be like traffic or it'll be uh, youth engagement. It might be substance abuse, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so for us, one of the things that I personally enjoy is I was the school liaison officer three years ago. And so for me, working with youth and students is a very rewarding place to work. Um, I see. I try and connect with youth in the community as well as in the schools that they connect to. Um, sometimes students will see me at the high school at various schools in town and out in our rural communities as well, too, as part of that. I see. Uh, I want to go back to what kind of you said off at the start. So essentially you go and you build relationships as, as you say, but likely what would happen if there was a crime committed on the reserve, uh, there'd be another unit who would go to, you know, enforce or investigate, I suppose. Is, is that sort of the difference generally? The nice thing with the RCMP is, because we're one organization, even yeah. though we have different roles, we can still complement and work together with each other. Sure. So even if, if there was uh, some sort of crime that did occur, let's say the Indigenous Policing Unit is not on, one of our general duty or our frontline officers, they would take the initial call and do uh-huh. the initial investigation. But oftentimes we will still assist. Yeah. Um, we are the ones. I've been in our communities now three years. I'm mm-hmm. going on into my fourth year. And so we've developed relationships, and that's one of our goals, is to develop relationships with individuals so that they, even like our communities here, that they will trust us more. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I find here in Fort St. John is our Fort St. John detachment basically rolls over about every five years. It's a, almost a completely new detachment. Mm-hmm. And so people will often ask, hey, do you know so-and-so from way back when? And it's like, well, no, they're gone, and I, I don't know them. But they've made a connection, right? There's that trust. There's that relationship. And it, the same as it would be in town, it's in our indigenous communities, the same mm-hmm. thing. And so 
we have access to people that we can talk to them. They'll talk with us. Um, we can find out information. We can, we can also do tasks uh, that can help the frontline or the, the general duty officers. It's uh, an hour and a half up to halfway, two hours to the school. Um, so if it's just like a single task, our unit, we're already going up. We can do that. We can help mm-hmm. out um, our general duty officers in that way. And so we partake in the enforcement as well that way as well. I see. Um, you also happen to have, as part of your role, a media relations officer. So, for example, if we need to know us here at Moose FM in Energetic City, we need to know something. Uh, we need the RCMP to comment or have a statement made or something from Fort St. John. We'll call you. You're kind of our, our person, uh, our yeah. front person for that. Uh, how do you balance kind of the two things together? Is that really a challenge for you or do they kind of go hand in hand a bit given that Really, it's all about building relationships and kind of everything you do. It's actually really tough. Um, indigenous policing is my is supposed to be about 100% of my responsibility. But yeah. at the same time, I try and do the media relations sort of off the corner of my desk. Yeah. Uh, so I know that there's times when media has reached out and asked for something and I'm often just not available or I'm not around or I'm not even aware yet of what it is. But there are those things that uh, officers in the detachment will request assistance for, or media will catch me in the office for, Mm -hmm. and I will try and accommodate that. Um, One of the biggest things I find is that the public doesn't really know what the police do, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or what they're involved in. And so for me, one of the reasons that I took on the media relations role is so that I could sort of bridge that gap, right? Um, How do we bring the public and the police together? Because really the public are the police and the police are the public. Um, We're all members that are involved in our communities. We've got a lot of us have children that are involved in the schools. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're very much a part of the the fabric of Fort St. John. Mm -hmm. That being said, a lot of the public don't know what we do and the things that we're working on. Um, So having that media relations role helps me to bridge that a little bit. I see. It's difficult, though. Yeah. So you kind of talked earlier about how you liaise with chief and council and and that sort of thing. So is it you'll attend their meetings or they they ask you to attend because they have a question for you or you you're just there to learn more? Or is it kind of a bit of everything in that in that sense? Yes, to all of it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we regularly attend each of our communities. We'll pop in at the band halls. We just make ourselves available, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Sometimes just access is one of the easiest things that helps us do our job if we're Mm -hmm. present. Um, It's also presence is one of the things that also deters a lot of things. Police presence is one of our best forms of enforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, So just being in our communities helps accomplish that. Popping into the band halls, speaking to chiefs and councils when they're available. But we also do get invited to council meetings. Um, We do monthly reports to let them know what's going on in their communities from a broader aspect as well. Um, we attend community and cultural events too. Um, it's an opportunity for us to get involved in the life and in the fabric of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone to culture days, culture camp. Uh, we've been asked sometimes, uh, we haven't made it work yet, but to go hunting with individuals, right? Just to, to understand more of their life and for them to get to know us better too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will, we've had a number of funerals over the last number of years. We've attended the funerals. Sometimes we help with uh, traffic control as part of that, depending on which uh, community we're involved at. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also been a part of the meal that happens. Uh, we've had the privilege. We were invited to dance at one of the funerals mm-hmm. just to be involved in the culture of it. And I know that there's been those that have been attending that have really appreciated that seeing, oh, okay, the police aren't at a distance. They're not just keeping themselves separate. They're mm-hmm. trying to get involved. They're trying to make themselves aware to learn more about who we are and what we do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's all of those things is part of our job for sure. So is is part of this kind of about this building relationships and learning also about you know accepting and sort of understanding the cultural differences between say you know a large Canadian society in general and uh, when you happen to be uh, engaging with indigenous communities and changing even and twerking uh, twerking pardon me uh tweaking your sort of approach to policing is that sort of part of this as well it can it- absolutely be a part of it yes um, I know a lot of times police get accused of being racist and things like that. And, you know, in, in the role that we have, we, we try and very hard to work against that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nobody that doesn't like, oh, there's nobody that dislikes a bad police officer more than a good police officer, right? Cause mm-hmm. they, they build bad reputations. We're in the goal of trying to build good reputations, mm-hmm. um, having them understand us, us understanding them, uh, cultural differences, but that we can utilize that to better understand and work together with our communities is a big part of what it is. And it will influence the RCMP. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had one of uh, our supervisors here asking Fort St. John to assist with making sort of a handbook on how to do uh, community relations, cultural relations well. And, and what are things that can help improve the RCMP in that way mm-hmm. throughout, in this case, British Columbia? Mm-hmm. How much is that uh, bit a challenge for you? I mean, you mentioned it, uh, and we know there's media stories all the time about sort of the relationship between RCMP and the Indigenous people uh, in general in Canada and throughout our history. Um, when you come up against that, when you have to sort of look at that, how do you how do you reconcile the two? How do you work towards reconciliation? And and how much of a challenge is that to kind of come up against that and and try to be a member of the community, as you say? All three of our communities have reminded us that it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the more you can get to know people, the more they will trust you or distrust you. But if they know you well enough and you spend enough time with them, clearly they will build a trust if you're a good person. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that in our communities. Um, I had one person get mad at me for something that happened 25 years ago, which I was not a, even a police officer for at the time. And sure. I was able to talk with them and, and share you know, about who we are and what we do. And this individual actually apologized to me. Mm-hmm. And they're going, I didn't realize that. They just didn't know. Um, but it's built on, I've had a number of interactions with this person. They kind of know who I am. They've never seen me be someone that would go against the things that they hold dear and that they, they are, are important to them. Mm-hmm. And so it definitely makes a difference. Uh, from someone that doesn't know you for the very first time to someone that's now met you five or six times and they've seen how you interact in community. They've had other people speak about you and the role that you've had. Um, I often will have people say, no, like I've, I've, I've been called numerous times. I've been called cousin uh, by individuals because I have a positive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have that acceptance, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of the, the priorities of the RCMP are that we do, we are honest. We do have integrity. Um, you know, we, we do the best that we can to be, be people of integrity and take responsibility for things. Mm-hmm. And so if we're that person, it's received well, because I would say that's universal what other people are looking for as well, too. Mm-hmm. I wondered if there was a moment or experience you've had uh, kind of in the almost get, getting into your fourth year in this role 
uh, that really stands out to you? Something that happened that you're you're proud of, or or that you know just kind of you remember well, and and you think this yeah. is this is sort of what what this is all about, really, you know. I've got a whole bunch. <laughs> My mind often goes to the very positive. Um, even yesterday, I was up at Blueberry River First Nation. And uh, one of the elders that uh, is often involved in community events, Mayab Sassen, uh, was at the band hall. And uh, her daughter had said, oh, she needs a ride home. And she, she looks at me and she goes, Constable, could you give her a ride? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so here I am giving an elder of our, the community a ride to her home, mm-hmm. uh, being asked by a family member. Could mm-hmm. I do that? Um, that's one of the things. Um, when I was at Halfway River just a couple of weeks ago, I was interacting with someone in a traffic stop. And I just had a youth come up to my, to my police vehicle. And I had my window open. And he just like leaned in. And we just started talking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know there's been stories uh, in the past where as soon as people saw police, they would run and hide. If they were in a vehicle, they would duck down below the seats, mm-hmm. uh, different things like that. And that's been sort of the negative part of the relationship. But here, this youth is, I think he's about grade eight or grade nine, and just wanders up and we have a conversation. Um, and it's taken time to build that, but to see the acceptance that we have in that. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that we do too is we sometimes take pictures when we're with people so that we can forward it with our monthly reports to say, hey, chief and council, this is what we've been doing. And the pictures are kind of proof of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a little boy that was playing out in the front yard. And I said, hey, like, what are you doing? And we, so we talked a little bit and his dad came out and I said, can I take a picture of all of us? And so we did. And, you know, like the dad is giving like peace signs and stuff too. And it's just that acceptance and that willingness to interact and to not just hide, but to come out, um, that relationship's been built enough to say, yeah, you know, we're willing to talk to you. Uh, we're not afraid of you. Mm-hmm. And I get that even from my own friends too, right? Um, they're like, oh, I've never had a police officer. I don't, I don't know what it's like. So we have good, good conversations about that. They're like, you're the only one. Can I ask this question? Because I've, n- I've never known someone to ask that. And we get that in our communities as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, when people come up and they find you and invite you for a meal. Uh, or they give you a bag of bannock um, because they, you, they've gotten to know you and they made some fresh and as soon as they see you, they're like, they wave you down. Uh, that's happened at Doig a couple of times. And so to, to see that, it's just a reminder of, no, the things that we're doing are good. Um, it is working. And we are trying to reconcile those relationships. That is our, ultimately our goal. And for me and, and my other partner that I work with in our unit, it's not just our job. That's who we are. That's who we want to be. And that's mm-hmm. why we've moved into this role. I see. I was going to ask you too, before we go, uh, was this something that you wanted to do and sort of aspired to, or was this something that they kind of assigned you? Uh, so in this case, it was really quite unique. I was the school liaison officer for the school year in 2019. Yeah. And uh, the school year had ended and they weren't sure if they were going to keep the position. And one of the uh, indigenous policing section units, uh, spots opened and i'm like oh you know if you need somebody for a bit i'm very willing to do that because Mm -hmm. as i've gotten to know students a little bit i got to know some more indigenous students as well and so i thought this would be a natural role and so i went into it just for a bit and then i did apply for the position because it came open 
And yeah, uh, both my partner and I, we both applied for the position to be a part of it. And it's a place that we actually quite enjoy. It's a lot of learning mm -hmm. uh, for me, you know, learning a new culture. And one of the things that we're trying to do over the last uh, number of months is learn language as well, too. So we're attending some of the language training. Oh, okay. And, and that's gone very well. So mm -hmm. yeah, enjoy it. Excellent. All right, Constable, we won't keep you any longer, but thank you so much for uh, taking a few minutes to chat with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. That's Constable Chad Newstetter of the Fort St. John RCMP Detachment. We'll be right back to talk all things Peace Gallery North with Jacqueline Benedetto right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back. I'm Dub Craig. Uh, now we're going to chat with the curator of Peace Gallery North. There's lots of cool stuff going on there, including a new exhibit all about quilts and uh, the Christmas market, which is on right now. Uh, we're joined now by the curator of Peace Gallery North, Jacqueline Benedetto. Jacqueline, welcome uh, to Moose Talks. Hey, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us this morning. Um, it's almost been a year for you at the helm of uh, Peace Gallery North. How, how's the year gone for you so far? It's been great. Yeah, there was um, a lot. I felt like when I came onto the role, there was a lot to do just because of coming out of the last two years with everything being shut down. Mm -hmm. It was really just getting things happening again. Um, for the first few months that I was there, I think a lot of people weren't quite going out just yet. So mm -hmm. we're starting to see that pick up sort of towards and after the summer, which has been nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. Was that daunting for you? Or was that sort of like, this is an even better opportunity than I might have had because mm. nothing was not much was happening. I get to sort of curate and create all these things and sort of almost start a new kind of basically from scratch. Yeah, it did feel like a little bit of a blank canvas walking in, mm -hmm. and um, that was nice. I mean, there's certain things that have been traditions for the gallery for sure. a long time, or traditions to the center, whether it's Bright Nights in June, or, you know, when I came on, the exhibit binder was already booked for, you know, a year or two. Mm -hmm. So certain things were already set in stone, but there was a lot of creative freedom to be able to um, work with artists and rework the gift shop and see what we wanted to do. Wonderful. What would you say you're most proud of so far in the kind of the first 10 months or 11 months you've been in the role? Mm, I think that working with local artists has been incredible. The amount of talent up here is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it's been nice. It's really nice to see artists have this space as their platform to show, to sell their work. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, a lot of the times art is sort of that elusive job that people think you can't necessarily do professionally. But one of the things working at the gallery has opened my eyes to is art can absolutely not only be a hobby, but it can also be a profession. So being able to be part of providing that for people is really, really great. Mm -hmm. You mean profession even like it's your only job or, or even people who can sell art while also maybe working a day job, you know, kind of to pay the bills as it were? Yeah, I think there's different levels for different people. Right. I think some people are doing it more full time. Granted, some of those individuals may be also retired. Um, and then there are people who have a job, whether it be full time or part time, that are also making money from art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you sort of about your, I hope ethos is the right word I'm looking for, but sort of programming. Uh, you had said there was a lot of stuff that was already kind of booked when you took over. But, uh, you know, now that you've been in the job a while, you could sort of start kind of making more of your mark even that than you were before. What are you looking for when you're deciding, I want this sort of exhibit to be here. I want to feature this or, or I, I, I would like this gallery to be about this in general. How do you kind of decide that and, 
and 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 kind of go forward with kind of making that vision a reality i think it's a very uh interactive uh dynamic that occurs so mm-hmm. obviously everything that comes through the gallery is coming through our local artists yeah so when i meet local artists and i see what they're working on what they're passionate about that actually is the foundation that will form what we're able to show uh, a few months back, we did a emerging contemporary local artist show called Multiformity, mm-hmm. and most of the artists had never shown an exhibit before. So that was a really nice moment because I know some of the artists that are well established. They really know the drill when it comes to putting on exhibits, getting things in gift shops. Yeah. But sometimes artists that haven't quite taken those steps yet it can be a little bit overwhelming or almost an energy block Mm -hmm. to wonder how do you go about doing those things so to see new artists for the first time be able to do that is really lovely also Mm -hmm. how did you establish that relationship is there like a you have meetings like a couple times a week with people is it uh you find these people somehow via social media or whatever it happens to be is it both um Again, it's very, very organic. Luckily, when I came on, there were so many fantastic artists that are already established with the gallery. So I just met them through doing the work there, through the exhibits that were already in place, Mm -hmm. um, through the gift shop. But as far as new artists go, I would give the most credit to the individual artist initiative. There are some artists that have come into the gallery to say, hey, who do I talk to about getting my art in here? And that opened up a lot of conversations and a lot of doors for those artists. Interesting. I, I, I imagine this is silly to say, but I didn't realize it could be so easy to just, I want I want you to look at my art and put it up in the gallery. Can you do that? So someone listening right now that maybe does art in their garage and they're off time, they could they could just ask you to mm-hmm. uh, do display it, I suppose, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Um Kind of looking forward then quickly, what what are kind of some of the things you've got coming down the pipeline that you can tell us a bit about, uh, kind of for 2023 even? Uh, so some really great exhibits. We have a new exhibit open each month. Mm-hmm. The opening night is either the first or second Friday usually. Okay. Um, that's always free for everyone to attend. So we have a great lineup of exhibits, everything from felting to print work to painting, um, pottery. So large array of mediums also. The other thing I'm really excited about that we started very recently was we opened a session called Open Studio mm-hmm. every Wednesday from 6 to 9 p.m. It's free. It's drop-in. You don't have to stay for the whole time. You just come when you want during those hours. And a lot of the times, being an artist can be quite solitary. Some artists love that. But some artists, they really want to be able to just casually socialize while they're creating. Mm-hmm. So this gives that opportunity. And one of the other beautiful things about open studio from my perspective is that I feel like some of the best conversations that move our community forward and move the gallery forward happen when we gather and I feel that you know I don't want to say this but in some ways I feel like maybe community can be a bit of a lost art nowadays Mm -hmm. and it's so essential for our mental health and our well-being so I think having the space to gather and to create and to have these conversations is really special Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about this uh, exhibit that just opened, Pieces of the Peace. Tell mm-hmm. us a bit about it. Oh, it's really lovely. I highly recommend the community come to the gallery. It's on until we close for holidays to come see these pieces. The 
Fort St. John Country Quilters Guild, they submitted, I think we're at around 41 or 42 quilts. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're incredible. Each time I walk through the exhibit space, I see something different. You might be struck by a pattern at first, but then you go up to the quilt and you see that the stitching is a design in itself. Literally images or just little tiny zigzags or it's just there's so much to take in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's all uh, from local quilters, I suppose, eh? Yeah. Uh, Is that, uh, speaking of local, is that something you kind of aspire to do all the time? You basically only feature kind of local stuff generally or... Yeah, there is so much talent up here that we do want to give our local artists that space and time in the gallery. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, we have a handful of artists um, in the gift shop from Prince George, Fort Nelson. I've got one fantastic jeweler from Nelson. But other than that, everyone's Fort St. John or, um, you know, very close to the area. Gotcha. All right. And finally, uh, you've got this Christmas market that Mm -hmm. you're uh, also uh, got on right now. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, so this is very nice. So it's just next to the gallery. It's open during regular gallery hours. I want to say that we probably have about 20 different artists and artisans in there. And again, wide variety of mediums, everything from textiles or things that people have sewn to homemade candies to paintings to purses to you name it, Mm -hmm. um, woodworking. So that's just another opportunity for people to support local artists this Christmas season when they're giving gifts to their loved ones. Absolutely. Uh, When uh, and is that Christmas market also open until you kind of close for the holidays, I guess? Yes, that runs right through till the 23rd. Gotcha. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacqueline, I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today about uh, Peace Gallery North. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, thank you to our guests, Constable Chad Newstater and Jacqueline Benedetto for joining me today. Consider becoming an Energetic City supporter today. With either a one-time, monthly, or annual donation, you will be supporting local news that shares the unique values of the Peace Region and make those in power hear us. Monthly and annual donors will receive a free energeticcity.ca mug, which is wonderful and high quality. Become a supporter now over at energeticcity.ca. That's our show. Jordan Prentice and Trey Lopashinsky are the producers of Moose Talks. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.